Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It says here, if you belong to Jesus, you're doing that. You are crucifying the flesh. You are dying to self so you can live to God. Now, let's face it, being a Christian is hard. It is hard. Now, the story as far as living a life of faith, uh, the story that comes to mind is the one of the gentleman that was driving along and he came to this beautiful scenic overlook and it was thousands of feet up on the side of a mountain and he, he pulled over this overlook and he got out and it was just beautiful. You could see forever it looked like. And so he uh, got closer to the edge to see how far down he could go, he could look. And whenever he got to a certain point, he lost his balance and he fell. And he was plummeting down the side of this mountain and he looked and he saw a limb come by and he grabbed this limb growing out of the side of the mountain. He was hanging on to it, still thousands of feet to go below. And he started yelling, yelling for help. And the only response he got was a bird making a noise off in the distance. Not even the sound of tires on the highway up above. He's hanging there and he cries for help. His fingers are starting to get tired. He doesn't know how much longer he can hold on. So finally he says, God, are you out there? And this voice just says, yes, son, I'm here. Lord, will you help me? He said, yes, son, let go of the limb. Anybody else out there? <laughs> the thing is, whenever we know what God wants us to do, Sometimes it's scary. And sometimes, especially when the Lord wants us to give something up and we know there's something wrong in our life, but it's a part of our life. I mean, it's been there and it troubles us maybe that it's there, but it maybe we have tried and tried and still we can't get rid of it. It's hard. It's hard. But what's, you know, what's really hard is the way that we try to go about it a lot of times, because many times what we're trying to do is just try to be better. And you know what? That doesn't work. That doesn't work. It works to, an, to a point. You know, whenever uh, uh, we first get started in living the Christian life, there are some things that we just have known all along that we're wrong. We've given our lives to the Lord and uh, we uh, want to uh, please him. And with me, there are lots of things that needed to go. I mean, I'm not going to give details today, but I, I, ha I had a lot of cleaning up to do. The Lord had a lot of cleaning up to do with me. And so there were a lot of things that I, well, a cussing was one of them. Uh, I grew up working at my dad's service station with 40-year-old playmates down there. And uh, those guys have very flowery speech, or the guys I worked with did. And my, the first language I learned, you know, I'm a modern language major, I started getting my knack for knowledges at the service station by learning cussing ease for the station. And uh, when my dad wasn't around, 
and to cut it off and just speak English when I was at home. And so I learned my first I learned my first language down there. Then I got started on Spanish as the migrant workers would come through. Then I would uh, I was always interested in them and what they were doing. And uh, anyway, started learning Spanish from them and then continued that on through college. But uh, the thing is, is that uh, I uh, I had to and I knew I need that it wasn't becoming to the Lord for the sort of words to be coming out of my mouth that would come out if I would allow them to. And it was hard because sometimes, you know, you think in one language and speak in another. And so uh, it got, it's gotten to the point now where if I hit my thumb with a hammer, I just go, uh, you know, and that's it. And so, uh, but you can, it, it, it took a while to get there, you know, um, but the thing is, is that uh, there were so many other things like that. And then finally, the last one that I thought that I had was smoking. And uh, I tried to quit smoking every way. I tried and I tried and uh, I could not quit. And finally, I got so sick. I couldn't smoke. I couldn't uh, feed myself. It was so bad. And I remember that they said that if you stayed clean, stayed off of cigarettes for 72 hours, that took care of the physical addiction. Anything else was going to be psychological. And so I just thought, well, if I live, I just won't start back. That was in 1980, and uh, I uh, did not start back. And interestingly, the desire to smoke was commensurate with my strength uh, to where I could resist it as my strength came back. And so I got through it all. And so then I thought, well, Lord, now I am just all cleaned up and gussied up and I can be this super spiritual guy, right? And he said, really? We hadn't gotten started yet. Those things were su superficial. Those things were on the outside. What I look on is the heart. And this is where the passage that we're looking at today comes into play. Because it says, it says, now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. And then over the passage that we read last week, it says that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And there's a big difference in trying to be good or turning over a new leaf and being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And uh, the difference is just the difference between daylight and dark because whenever you are just trying to be good, that is you making the decision what you're going to work on and you trying in your own strength to do it. And uh, a lot of people, they find this so frustrating because they'll look at the uh, fruit of the Spirit, and they'll look at the works of the flesh, and they'll see all these works of the flesh, and they'll decide, I need to work on developing and cultivating the fruit of the Spirit. But you see, they make up their mind what they're going to do. 
And then they start trying to uh, get rid of the works of the flesh. And the thing is, you just try to get rid of the works of the flesh in your own steam, in your own power. That's not being transformed by the renewing of your mind. I showed the other day whenever we were looking at anger and I showed you there was a block there that everything is filtered through and it's your belief system. The belief system that you have is made up of things from your past experiences, your own opinions, and you filter everything that happens around you through all these things. You're view of yourself as a person and how you connect with other people is going to determine how you react to life. And this is what it's talking about. This is being transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's getting to your heart, getting to your very heart and to your soul and being transformed. And as we've spoken in the last few weeks, Whenever you really realize just how precious you are to God and how important you are to God, not your carbon copy of someone else that you think is a good Christian, but you yourself. He created you to be you, not somebody else. And whenever uh, you realize that it's you that is really loved, warts and all, that it's you and that he has plans and purposes, not for your potential, but for you. And you really realize how deep his love is for you and how unworthy you are of it. And yet he deems you worthy. He deemed you worthy enough to go to the cross and die for you. He deemed you worthy to even try to get your attention in this world. Because he loves you so, so much. You're precious to him. When that really sinks in and you realize that just how much he loves you is how much he loves that person that sits next to you, it changes your world view. It helps you start to see how special the people are around you. It starts to, and it begins to revolutionize things in your heart because you begin to realize that, hey, yeah, I have feelings and I get offended when my feelings are hurt or it hurts me. But you know what? Those people have feelings too. And you begin to notice things that whenever Jesus meant him, he said, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. He said that because... They bleed just like you bleed. They feel just like you feel. They hurt just like you hurt. And they need just like you need. And it takes you out of the realm of being the center of your own little world and trying to be your own little God, trying to control everything around you. And you realize that this thing is bigger than you can handle. And you can't handle it all, but God can. And you get to the point where you can start letting go and letting God in areas that maybe you didn't think you could. Well, 
That's the beginning. And it gets very, very personal. The Lord can get very, very personal. And say like uh, uh, whenever you, you know the works of the flesh, uh, they're listed here. And uh, let's see, uh, I'm trying to find a good one. Um, well, let's just go back to the outburst of anger. That's what everybody can relate to. Uh, the thing is, anger is a great self-analytical tool. And if you find yourself getting angry or getting in a bad mood at certain times, whenever it seems like maybe other people don't get angry or been out of shape, that's an indication that you have some deep sorrow or sadness in your life that needs to be dealt with. And our Lord wants to help you with that. And uh, this happened to me. There were certain places where I would be just out of sorts, and I knew that it wasn't pleasing to God. Now, remember, we had a couple of, about three weeks ago, we were talking about how one of the things we're supposed to be doing is finding out what the will of God is in our lives. Well, we know it's not God's will that we get angry and snap and snap at people. That's not God's will for our lives. God wants us to be beacons of love and light and ministry to others and to be edifying to other people instead of just stomping all over them, you know? And so the thing is, whenever you start, if you find yourself getting angry, ask yourself, what's the source of your anger? Is it fear? Is it frustration? Is it pain? Sometimes there's a deep underlying pain that needs to be dealt with. Sometimes it's not nearly as deep. Sometimes if you'll use your anger as an analytical tool and you find yourself getting mad all the time, and you say, okay, why am I mad? Well, I'm mad because he said so-and-so. Why did that make you mad? Well, because um, I don't think I'm like that. Well, uh, are you like that? What's the truth? Ask yourself, well, I really am. So what were you mad about? You're mad because the truth hurts, you know? And so uh, but th so you've come to a, a realization that uh, you need some work done in your heart. And maybe it's pride. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's something else. But if you, you use uh, anger as a self-analytical tool, just peel back the layers of the onion, you can begin to see and realize what's really going on in your heart and why the sin is coming forth, why the hurtful words are coming out of your mouth whenever it's not the sort of thing that you want God to come out of your mouth. So the thing is, you see, there's a difference between just deciding, I'm not going to do that anymore. You can't control your feelings. You can't to a very little extent, but your emotions are going to come forward. But what you can do is you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by opening your life up to God's will, and then prayerfully asking his help and his guidance as you go through these things. Now then, the, the, one of the, one of the best uh, example that we see when we talk about dying to self and living to Christ 
which is crucifying the flesh, as it says in Galatians. Whenever Jesus was on his way to the cross, he stopped in the garden of Gethsemane, didn't he? And he got down on his knees. And what was before him, the sacrifice that he was getting ready to have to make, was just overwhelming. So much so that he, as he, as he just agonized over it, it was like sweat drops of blood. And the last thing he said before he got up was, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And that is what has to happen in our hearts before we can start to be transformed in the renewing of our mind. Until we get to this point while in, the, in trying to, to get our lives straight, until we have turned that area of our life over to the Lord and ask, and, and not only that, realize and recognize what he wants and then in our heart of hearts say, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And letting go of whatever it is that's been holding us back. It's amazing whenever we do that, we think we're going to die because something has been such a part of us that we feel it's going to kill us if we let go of it. And yes, it will kill your sinful nature. It will kill that part of your sinful nature. And so the reverse of Satan's hiss in the garden comes to our minds. Remember, and think it's in the third chapter of Galatians, when, no, no, of Genesis, whenever uh, uh, Satan tells Eve, if you eat of that fruit, you will not surely die. And what he was saying is, you can disobey God. You can't trust God. You need to be the master of your own destiny and your own fate. You need to be like God. So now then, whenever you have been in that spot with your sinful nature and being a little God, trying to control your own universe and all this is going on and you decide this has to go. I have to let the Lord have this. I need to offer it to him and be done with it. Satan is going to whisper in your ear, it's going to kill you. You'll die. There won't be any of you left if you let. That's your personality. And that's right. And that's where you die to self. And whenever you do, what you thought was going to kill you opens beautiful doors into life that you weren't even aware were there opens up vistas to this world that you weren't even aware were there. It's just the most wonderful thing in the world to die to self because then you live to Christ, the one who came that we might have life and have it abundantly. It's so fun to do that after a while. It still kills you, but you, after a while, you realize that there is something better on the other side and that you can get through this. Jesus got through the cross, didn't he? He came out on the other side. And now he reigns as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And whatever it is that the Lord's calling you to let go of, as an offering to him, 
whatever it is, he has something so much better to take its place. You know, as I first started thinking about all this and how people were prone to hang on to these things, I remember when I was a little boy, a preacher talking about how to catch monkeys. And y'all may have heard this about, uh, he said that they would, there's one place, I think it was in India, that they would take vases, a narrow-necked vase, drop fruit in it, and leave it laying there on its side. And that the monkeys would come along, they'd smell the fruit in there, they may have watched you put the fruit in there. And they would reach in the hole in the vase, grab hold of the fruit, feel the fruit, and couldn't get their arm out of the vase. And the thing is, they would not let go of the fruit. And the vase was too heavy for them to run off with it and get away from the monkey catcher. And so the monkey would just come along and gather up the monkey because he was weighted down with the vase. Let's talk somewhere in scripture about we need to be able to cast aside the weight of sin that so easily besets us. And yet, so many times, we're like those monkeys. Now, you know, I didn't, I began to wonder, was that really true? You know, sometimes preachers tell stories and you wonder, was that just a made-up illustration? And so I went on YouTube this last week, and if you have a lot of extra time, or want to do some sermon research, or validate my my discovery, just, just, just search YouTube, for a monkey catching. And uh, you'll be surprised how many different ways that people can catch monkeys like that. The first one I saw is a termite hill. You know, and I think it's in Africa, they have these termite hills that are taller than men are, and they are really hard. And this guy, he dug a little hole in the side of this uh, termite mound, and he stuffed fruit. In the, he made a wider opening, stuffed fruit in there. Monkey's sitting over there watching him do it. And he goes away and hides behind a bush. The monkey comes around. He looks around. He's going to get this guy's fruit. He watched him put it in there. Sticks his hand in there, and he winds up stuck to this termite mound. He can't go anywhere. And uh, so the guy comes up, puts a rope around this monkey, and digs him out, and he's got a monkey. Anyway... But it's a trait that uh, monkeys have is like they can't let go. And so many times we're just like those monkeys when it comes to sin. We hang on to it and it holds us prisoner. And it may be something that we don't even realize at the moment is sin because it's been such a part of us. But as you move on with the Lord, usually he has with me, it's one project at a time. And uh, we just go through it. And whenever I'm finally able to let go, all of a sudden, I'm free. And so uh, this is a form of worship, is turning those things over to the Lord. Those things that were so precious to you, and yet they were wrong, that were keeping you from moving on with Him and moving on in your own life. And so um, as we close today, there's a, uh, uh, there's just a, such a difference I want you to notice. It's like the difference between uh, living out of trying to please other people and living out of the love that's been shed abroad in your heart to where you don't need to please anybody 
but you love everybody and you want everybody to be taken care of. There's just all the difference in the world, you see. At one level, it may look the same, but at another level, and the way that God sees it, it's very, very different. I remember a, uh, a preacher saying one time that it shocked him at the close of a service when they were singing, I Surrender All, whenever his godly music director got up and left the piano and came before him for prayer. And he said, what's going on here? He said, this song has convicted me for years because whenever I sing this song, I add just a few words to the very end. I sing out loud, I surrender all, but in my heart it goes on, except this one thing. I surrender all, except this one thing. And there is this one thing that I have not been willing to surrender to the Lord. And I realize now it's holding me back from being who and what he has called me and created me to be. And so I surrender that one thing today. What is it with you? Is there one thing? Do you have a project going with God? Or has there been something that's been troubling you and you didn't even realize that it was the Holy Spirit convicting you? If that's the point, if that's the so, I encourage you today to offer it up to the Lord as your spiritual worship. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.